Welcome, everyone. The Bastards are back for this Thursday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set with the Tampa Bay Rays losing the series three games to nothing. They have slipped all the way down to 10 games back of the last uh wild card spot and our four games under 500 quick disclaimer as always for any first time listeners this is not a homer podcast we call it how we see it when the red Sox are dominating we will celebrate that when they are getting destroyed we will be critical and at times savagely blunt if you are easily offended press the stop button immediately but for those who embrace it let's get rolling I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the mile high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew? What's going on, guys? Well, just another thumping as we limp towards, uh, you know, I don't know, what, three and a half more weeks of this season? Soon enough. Yeah, I, it's it, it hasn't been pretty. And to top that off, we're dealing with second summer out here in Denver. It's been 100 degrees every single day for the last week. I'm, I'm dying. I'm, like, sweating right now. So... Yeah, it's uh, not good days or nights at this point. <laughs> when does Denver cool off? Like, when do you start seeing 40s at night? Like, October, maybe. Even that, it could still push a little further. Oh, it's, okay. it's, so, it's so bipolar. Gotcha. It's just the altitude that makes me curious. So it seems like it's somewhat on track with New England. Yeah, it's we don't get that bitter cold. We're kind of locked in... Um, just surrounded by the mountains so it just settles like the heat in here so you know it just we don't get too much extreme weather other than heat yeah believe it or not down here uh, i moved down here two days after christmas to to south carolina we left maine in a snowstorm and it slowed us down uh, as we made our way and but i was kind of surprised it does dip down into the 30s like december january and february at night but then during the day, it'll be, you know, 50s or 60s. But, yeah, so we even get it this far south. And the, the leaves do fall off the trees down here. Oh. Yeah. they uh, The trees start to bloom again in, like, late March. But, yeah. Anyway, uh, Job Goddard is MIA. So uh, uh, Jason Kelly will uh, jump off the bench tonight literally with like 30 seconds notice so we appreciate that so how's canton coming along jason i think you're on no you're on mute that's a charlie move jason oh yeah sorry yeah <laughs> i was on mute um yeah I'm, I'm good um i'm happy to fill the matt stairs role of, of this podcast and just <laughs> come off the bench and hopefully slug one um yeah, no, it's it. Canton's great. We are into like the fifties here at night, which is really, really nice. So, sorry, Andrew, that you're still in the high desert heat. Uh, that, that 
that sounds like it sucks, but uh, we're we're kind of entering fall mode here. So I am as well, like especially with this Red Sox team, it's like you lose three straight to a real team. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we kind of all expected that. So tough series, but uh, hey, I'm happy to jump on and uh, talk about it. So let's go. Yeah, we appreciate that. So the Red Sox are one and nine against Tampa this year. And our one win was actually in our first meeting. Chris Cotillo had a really ugly stat here. Here it is. Since winning the World Series in 2018, the Red Sox are 22 and 42 against the Rays during the regular season. But he does note we did beat them in a, a very important series last fall to uh, get us into the Astros series. But that's a team that's just absolutely destroying us. And they've been just as injured, really, arguably just as injured. I, I'm not sh- quite sure about the, the pitching. I, I know they obviously lost their ace uh, within the last week. But they did lose basically Franco for the entire season. I think he might have got shut down again recently. Lost Kevin Kiermeyer for the season, Mike Zanino. And we're at full strength now offensively. Basically, I mean, JD's slumping, but I mean, all the important guys are back in our lineup. So figured we might be able to steal one here. But uh, any uh, any thoughts on the series in general? Yeah, it seems like, you know, I don't know if this is more of an indication of the teams that are leading the AL East, but it's kind of nuts that these games are as close as they are with, you know, how inept the Red Sox have been. They all seem to be one-run games, maybe a blowout here or there, but it feels like when we face the Yankees, all the games come down to the last you know inning or two. Same with Toronto, same with Tampa. You had two one-run games. I mean, you had the biggest, you know, most one-run game you could possibly have tonight. It's just a little odd. I don't know if it's just the Red Sox don't have the timely hitting or maybe the AL East teams aren't as good as we think they are. I it, it's going to be interesting come playoffs when you know everyone's under the microscope. I think we'll find out. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you look at Tampa and, like you said, Terry, Wander Franco has been hurt for a long time. Brendan Lau, I feel like, hasn't played all year. I don't know if he came back at some point and then went right back on the IL, but he's barely been there. Um, when you lose to the Rays, you're losing to Randy Arozarena, who's, I think, still a really good player, but you're losing to him. You're losing to Harold Ramirez, who is a guy that they picked up from the Marlins for, you know, kind of nothing. Um, you're losing to guys like, you know, G-Man Choi, who still makes it into the lineup somehow. It's The Rays are just kind of a pesky, really annoying team that, um, even when they're not really going to make too much noise when, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they still put together a team that can annoy you and can take you to the brink and, and show you that you're not quite ready. Um, without McClanahan and without Glasnow, they're still shutting down your offense. So uh, credit to them. I mean, because I, I, I was – I'm always – every year I'm ready to go in ready to write off the Rays, and they always prove us wrong. So credit to them. They're, they're still hanging around, and the Red Sox right now are kind of in a weird place where, yeah, they're getting healthier, but we all know they're kind of out of it. 
So the Rays are just, you know, they, they still have a shot and they're, they're proving that by the way they play. So it's tough. It, it sucks to get swept by them, especially in that crap ball ballpark, but it is what it is. I just looked at um, Shane McClanahan real quick uh, for an update. He's actually throwing off the mound already through 15 to 20 pitches in a side session. And uh, two hours ago, there was a report, uh, I guess from just tonight, uh, Tyler Glass now um, had a rehab outing. Let me see if I can click on this. This is dangerous because sometimes it's an audio thing and it. Uh, just one inning of relief. So that tells me that's going to be a bullpen roll when he comes back. Maybe two or three inning relief at most. But still a weapon they're going to have out of the pen. Um, and I don't know. I <laughs> Andrew wasn't on the last show, but there was a question on whether the, the Rays could overtake the Yankees. And um, – so I, I had them doing it. Admittedly, you know, it's still a, a daunting task. I think I Well, think, Minnesota didn't help. How's the second game going? They lost the first one today. I no, mean, IKF hit a grand slam, so I'm assuming they're man. winning. <laughs> He's just been going off lately. Of all people, that yeah, guy? Really? I think he hit <laughs> his first home run of the season off us a, a few weeks ago, and he's gone deep at least a few more times since then, I think so, but you know, they're going to be looking at a shortstop here uh, in a couple months. All right. Well, so let's talk about Tristan Casas. Now, not a great series offensively. Uh, He was, let's see, one for 11, six strikeouts which is you know not something you really want to see but his one hit was his first home run uh of his career second oh my bad he had that uh Did hit, he hit to the one left tonight? side no he had that hit to the left side in his first game my bad when did he hit the home run was that sunday that was yesterday he hit the home run okay i'm showing it was a, it was an excuse me single that um, was it was a, debatable whether it was going to be an error or not, but it was a hit. Okay. I was showing 0 for 4 in game 1 and 1 for 4 game 2, 0 for 3 tonight. Unless they changed it. I don't know. I don't know. I could have I could have wrote it wrong. I'm, uh, you know, human error, but but he was great defensively. And um, the home run was a towering shot, you know, something you would expect from a guy with his power. And what I really want to know is if you guys caught that ball, what's your price? When the Red Sox officials come up and say, hey, we want the ball, you know, we know we got to give you something. What is it? So... If I were the Rays, well, the White Sox fan in Tampa, um, I'd probably ask for two tickets to a playoff game in a box and then a picture with uh, Cassis and get his autograph. That's so light. That's just (laughs) – that's so light. Jason, what's what's your price for handing over that home run ball? 
I mean, if you thought that was light, I honestly, I, I probably would have asked for a signed Costas jersey, uh, game worn, preferably. Um, apart from that, like, yeah, maybe, maybe a picture from him, and you know, kind of a meet and greet kind of thing. But I wouldn't have asked for much. I, I don't know. Like, I, I felt like this guy's demands, um, this Ryan Brazier wannabe. Um, you know, with the Bogart sign ball and whatever, like, especially since he didn't know who they really were. That was ridiculous. I, I would have just asked for a Casas jersey, game-worn, signed, because they're on the road, so his name would be on the back of it, which I think is important. I'm not one of these Yankee fans who decides that home jerseys should have their names on the back of it, because I think that's lame. Um, but, yeah, I would have asked for that you know, signed by him and, you know, just a photo op. That's it. If, I don't know, if it was, I mean, Barry Bonds 62 or uh, Maguire 62 or Bonds 73. Yeah. I'm asking the absolute world for it, but at the end of the day, I mean, I wouldn't have even been shocked if Cassis was just like, what? Stop. I don't, I don't even care anymore. You know, after 30 minutes goes by, I would just be like, you've ruined the moment, man. Like, <laughs> I don't even just keep it. It's worthless at this point. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure they had it under control, but I would like Jason. I would have wanted his game worn Jersey signed. I would have asked for this is where I'm really going for it. I would have asked for a Rafi Devers signed shirt, whether it was game worn or not. I, I wouldn't have uh, insisted game worn on that one necessarily. And then I would have wanted a baseball bat signed by everyone in the dugout. So I'm going high with that. And I feel like I'm going to get some of it. And I'm and I'm ruthless in fantasy baseball. Like my negotiations take the longest because I ask for the most and I'm insistent on it. And I'm okay with silence for a couple hours, you know, before the next uh, round of discussions takes place. Charlie and I, it took us multiple days to work out a deal for Dylan Cease for me to hand him over since I was losing the the playoffs. But anyway, so what the fan did get now, it was a white Sox fan wearing a Tampa Jersey and he ended up getting, apparently there was some haggling. He ended up with a baseball bat signed by Tristan Casas and then a baseball signed by both Xander Bogarts and Rafi Devers. So that was the final, uh, that was his ransom reward for for handing over the ball to Tristan Casas upon getting the ball from the fan uh Tristan Casas gave the ball to his father so that's uh that's where that ended up but that's that's what they should have done the the beginning just had his dad go up to the fan and be like can I have myself the ball I'm not worried. <laughs> you can't say no I mean that, you gotta go yeah here here you go <laughs> Uh, I, I think what, I think he ended up with a fair deal. I don't think it was a, it was a ton to, to ask for, to get what he got. So it, it doesn't specify whether it was Costas's game used bad or anything like that. But, um, 
But yeah, so let, let's talk about Costas a little more, though. For many of us, I mean, we've seen the 12-second the clips on social media of him hitting home runs in the minors. Um, but this is our first time really seeing the guy up close, seeing how he moves around, seeing that his defense seems to be very good. I don't know if it's ever going to be elite. I, I don't know if that's where he truly falls, but he looked like a, a real first baseman out there, which... We haven't really had all season long. We had a cup of coffee with Hosmer before his his back issues cropped up. But I guess my only concern is, is he is a big dude. And he's very rugged. And Aaron Judge is taller. He's like an inch or two taller. But Judge looks more athletic, more limber, more agile. And... And Casas is this big, hulky dude. So I guess my curiosity with him long term is how is he going to hold up? It's almost inevitable, I think, that he will be a DH probably no later than his early 30s. Um, yeah, I mean, especially at 22, you, you look at that sort of rugged, sort of bigger frame and you go, okay. That's you at 22. Like, usually 22, I, I get it. Like, I hear everyone's talk about, like, you know, baby fat. And, you know, okay, once he gets to 24, 25, he'll shed the fat. He'll be more lean. Um, I I kind of agree with you, Terry, that, like, the, the physique is – he's obviously a big dude, and, and that's great. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't want – your prized first baseman prospect to be like five, nine or to be a guy looking like me, you know, this wiry sort of thing. But I don't know. He, he's a big dude. He, he moved well defensively. Um, I love seeing him catch up to the fastball up and in and just driving it out. Um, granted in Fenway, that's probably not a home run if we're being totally honest, but it was still, it was well hit. So good for him. Um, I think that he's a guy that, you know, hopefully they sort of get to him and they go, okay, you're obviously you've got a ton of power. You've got a ton of strength. Let's just get you in a little bit of better condition. Let's, let's shed some of that fat a little bit. Let's, let's just kind of get you groomed. And again, he's 22. So he's got plenty of time to do that. Um, I'm not too, too worried about his physique. I think ultimately I would rather have a guy that looks like him as opposed to a guy who looks like, you know, Pablo Sandoval or you know, countless other guys who have come through here. Like, like I don't think that he's going to turn into Dan Vogelbach where he's just going to be nothing but just, you know, pure fat and muscle, just kind of all crammed into one uh, tightly fit baseball uniform. I think that he's, I, you know, I, I think that he's going to grow into it. So I'm not too worried. I think they got plenty of time to get to him and, you know, get him to understand that, hey, you're in the big leagues now. Let's get you on a proper strength and conditioning program, and let's make sure that you're in good shape going forward. Yeah, I really don't have any of the concerns about any sort of shape he's in. I've seen some of the workout videos he's posted. You know, he's shirtless, and he guy's built like a tank. So I think he's just a big kid. Um I was looking up just now too. And I mean, Jim Tomey played at the exact same specs. 
So it, it worked out pretty well with him. Obviously, you know, you hit your thirties. That's just natural progression, uh, moving, you know, towards DH, you know, but I, I don't have any worries about him. I mean, even that video of him in the outfield, pretty much naked, he still looked pretty <laughs> in shape there. <laughs> I was very encouraged by um, his whole showing. He didn't expand the zone whatsoever. Didn't chase anything. If anything, he was spitting on any ball in the corner. Had a couple of gripes with the umps because you know he's got a damn good recognition of that strike zone. So. Uh, I'm excited for him. I, I really am. I think his last few years have been nothing short of chaotic with 2019 being what it was. You know, he went to the Olympics, uh, COVID shortened. He's at the alt site, goes down with injury for a few months this year. So I think, you know, the last few weeks, uh, however much he plays, will be great for him. And then, take the summer off. I don't think he's going to Arizona. I don't know what the 40 man rules are nowadays with that. Um, and then uh, just a full fresh spring training with all the Red Sox trainers. It's going to do wonders. I, th- I think he comes out just absolutely in a full blown sprint next year. Casas's home run was actually 371 feet. So Jason, you're right. That would have, uh, probably been on the warning track for some reason it, it just looked maybe it just had a higher arc which gave me the impression it uh it went deeper but um i guess with casas it's just really the great unknown players his size i mean stanton hasn't really worked out great as far as durability typically gonna miss about a month each season on average judge has had a good season this year um, had some injuries the past couple, and and Casas did miss time with uh, a relatively serious ankle sprain. It took him out about two months. So, I mean, those are I guess the types of things that that would concern me. You know, towards his thirties. Um, I guess you know, in the meantime, if I see him making some diving plays and stuff like that and he's getting up unscathed and you know no you know no worse for the wear than than fine but we'll see i mean we've got him for now and um (laughs) it's gonna be really tough to sky one over his head is there is there a first baseman taller i know goldschmidt's up there he's probably six three six four I don't. I don't know if there is a taller off, one. Off the top of my head, no. I. Uh, I don't think there is. Not a full time one. Not a full time one. No. Yeah. No, Mancini's kind of tall, but I don't think he's quite that tall. Matt Olson. Matt Olson feels tall. Oh, he is actually. That might be. Uh, that might be the one that. Uh, as we see. all Google him in unison, six five, same height. <laughs> 225 okay, so I, yeah google has casas at six four so if you want to really parse that out fine but either way yeah. 252 that's that's what that's what i was just looking up when i was yeah. looking up jim tomey because i was like kind of reminds me of him so yeah they, those are two of the same cj crone is six four yep, so I'm on him right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was the other guy i thought of yeah 
Yeah, it's he he's right around the league ever or the league height rather in terms of yeah, how tall he is. How tall is Mancini since we're on it? I'll, I'll oh, I, think, I think Trey Mancini's six three, I wanna say. Oh, that's tiny. Yeah, six three on the dot. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's up there, but yeah, not quite as tall. I, I think honestly, yeah, I think like Casas, Crone, Matt Olson, those are like your tallest first baseman. The the days are gone of like the six eight, six nine guys who play first base and are unathletic and can't hit. So Richie Sexton's not walking through that door. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Richie Why Sexton was like the last one I could think of. That door. Yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah, oh God. You you need the equivalence of you know baseball's version of a NBA center now. That's the new standard when you're drafting uh, for that position. So, all right. So the other big news of the week. Kike Hernandez has agreed to a, a one-year extension that will keep him here through 2023 for $10 million. That's a $3 million a year raise. The interesting thing here is those negotiations started around the trade deadline, and he was still injured at that point. And he might've been having setbacks around that point as well. So there were more comments that he was resigned to the, the idea that no matter what he's looking at a one year deal next year. Anyway, that's what he's going to be relegated to, to try to rebuild his value. So it's really, I mean, Almost a no-brainer. If they're confident that his health issues are behind him, I think you got to do it. Jason, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is maybe one case where, um, or at least I hope it's the one case where I am truly on the fence. Um, I'm split, you know, 50-50 in terms of uh, did they overpay for Kiki Hernandez? Yeah, they absolutely did. Do I hate that they overpaid for him? No. Because what was their other options? Like Jaron Duran for a full year? No, we've seen how that's gone. Jaron Duran can't play the position full time. He's not a big time, you know, major leaguer. He's going to be 26 next year, I think. So, um, you know, if Jaron Duran was 21, 22, maybe you sort of give him another shot. But at this point, you've seen what you've seen out of him. Um, He can't cut it. And the free agent market, unless you're going to go out and sign Aaron Judge, which I highly doubt, I would love it. I would absolutely love to get Aaron Judge here, but uh, the Red Sox haven't even committed to Rafael Devers or Xander Bogarts yet. So I don't think that they're going to shuffle out a bunch of money for Aaron Judge. Maybe Brendan Nimmo is the only other guy who's going to be a free agent who's you know out there, but... I, I think that he's going to be overpriced too. Um, other than that, you're looking at a bunch of old guys. So the free agent market is a little bit dry in terms of outfield and the Red Sox have no outfield depth. So you have to bring KK back and you know what him on a one year deal for 10 million. I just, I can't get mad at one year deals because the worst that happens is that KK is, not a good player, 
and you've gotten the most out of him, and he's kind of a waste next year. But you know what? It's a one-year deal. You can get rid of him after that. Again, I'd rather that they bring Kike back on a one-year deal for $10 million than bring Jackie Bradley back on God knows what stupid contract you'd ever give that guy. Like, I'm okay with it. I, I think Kike, if he's healthy, he plays a full year. Maybe, you know, maybe he gets a full offseason to kind of recover and rejuvenate himself. And a lot of it's going to depend on what this team is next year. But if this team is a playoff contender, that's the kind of team that Kike, you know, that's what he wants to be on. He wants to be in the playoffs because that's ultimately what he's used to. So hopefully they bring Bogarts back. Hopefully they figure out something with Devers. They add to this team. They go get some starting pitching. And you get the very best version of Kike Hernandez for one year at $10 million. I'm okay with it. It, it doesn't bother me. Um, you know, you, you got him early because honestly, if you hit, if you let Kike hit free agency, he'd get more than 10 million. And, and I know that Red Sox fans don't want to believe that because he was hurt most of this year, but trust me, that's how bad the outfield market is in free agency. So I think they did a good job here getting to him early, getting him back here for one year at a pretty decent price. I'm okay with it. And let's see what he gives you the next year. You know what? Like, as long as he stays healthy, you're in good shape. Yeah, I'm all about it. Um, I'm going to hit on your last point first. He absolutely gets over $10 million once he hits free agency. It's Brandon Nimmo, and then it's nobody else. I'm not counting Aaron Judge really as a true center fielder. I consider him more of a right fielder. I don't think where he goes next he'll play center. I absolutely think he'll be on a corner just for his health. Um, after that, it's Kevin Kiermeyer, which coming off surgery, unknown. He's old, not that great. Whatever, he's going to give you a good defense. Kike is as well, but Kike also gives you the versatility that if someone should develop back spasms at shortstop or second, guess who can play that in a pinch? It's Kike Hernandez. You play every position in the outfield. Um, if he gives you 70% of what he was last year, that's absolutely worth it. And the fact that they have the peace of mind going into the offseason where a huge piece of, you know, the outfield, center field, doesn't need to be figured out, I think that's great. And honestly, at $10 million, if someone should demand a trade or if, you know, a name pops up that you didn't expect to become available, $10 million bucks isn't really going to deter you from, you know, whatever your plans were, he can move to left, he can move to right, and he'll be just fine. You, I don't even think you really have to hide him in the lineup. I think you just tell him just to be what he is and go with it. I mean, this man was hotter than the surface of the sun in the playoffs last year, almost single-handedly carried them to the World Series. So I'm happy to see him back. Um, I was pretty encouraged by his quotes and his wink uh, during, you know, the time when he's speaking to reporters about there's going to be other guys that are going to stick around to help us and the team's going to be better. So I, I do think that they do have some plans in motion. There's just too many, there's just too much money coming off the books where I think a lot of people are worried. They're not going to do anything. They absolutely, they're going to spend the money. They're going to spend up to, I doubt they'll surpass it, but the tax line. So they have a good chunk of change. 
Um, and I, I think he's a good clubhouse piece too. And God, you know, forbid that they lose Xander. I think you probably need to have some sort of leader. I don't know if I want to say leader, but some, you know, some sort of personality to take over until they fi- figure out the new identity. Cause if JD and Xander are both gone next year, that that's, that's a lot of experience walking out of that clubhouse. So I think to keep, to keep Kike, got to keep Kike in, in a row is just extremely hard to say, um, is very important to the direction that this team wants to go in. One of the reasons it's, it was hugely critical for me is you need two outfielders. You need two. And some people are assuming Tommy Pham might come back on a one-year deal. I don't think that's out of the realm, but I wouldn't say that's for sure at this point. So by signing Kike, you fill one of those holes immediately. And you got the versatility that you guys have uh, you know, alluded to. And I like that. And the dude is an extra base hitting machine. I wish he would walk a little bit more. I, I guess that's the, the one thing that seems to be left to be desired. But decent pop, extra bases, elite defender. On a one-year deal, I, I, you know, I can't complain about that. Um, you guys kicked around some names a little bit. It's not a great market. Could I see Heinblum signing Adam Duvall to a one-year deal? Yeah, I could see that. I wouldn't like it, but that's certainly something that could happen. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer does have a club option for what it's worth. I'm guessing they'll decline it, but um, but he's not definitely a free agent. Another name worth mentioning, probably not a sexy option, Will Myers, and he actually does have a club option attached to him as well and then it just oh and actually so there's two names i like outside of obviously aaron judge um jerks and profar i don't know where he slots in best out there but he he could play some infield for you as well has decent pop. I was kind of hoping they would take a look at him in the trade deadline. He does have a player option. I'm guessing that's possible to be picked up, uh, unlike some of the others. The other guy I liked, I mentioned him in the war room, is Mitch Hanniger. He uh, He's had a couple of injured seasons. One of them, I'm not trying to gross the audience out, but he... Uh, he ruptured his testicle because he fouled one off his bat. That was in 2019. Missed some time there. Somewhat of a flukish injury. He did have a relatively serious ankle sprain earlier this season. He's been limited to just 37 games. But I would like him on a one-year deal. He is only one season removed from hitting 39 home runs with Seattle. 100 ribbies. Um, a couple years, uh, before that 2017, 2018, pretty good numbers was hitting in the two eighties. OBP was, was fairly high and he's hit for decent pop his whole career. So I don't know where he slots in. I know Andrew, you mentioned him maybe more suited as a, as a replacement for JD, 
but I think he's a guy that could be productive in this Red Sox lineup. So, so pro far. I, I mean, I'm all about Mitch Haniger. I, I'm 100% on board with that. I think I, I don't know if they're going to have a full time DH going forward. I think they might keep it up till little, little versatility. But I think you can tell Mitch Haniger, listen, we'll give you 40 games in the outfield to prove that, you know, you still can do it for next offseason when you hit the market again. I sent you guys the um, Fenway overlay of his 2021, and I tweeted it out last week. He would have had over 40 home runs. He would just pepper the monster. He'd have countless doubles. He would put his home run total would go up, and he even had some, you know, opposite field power that would show up at Yankee Stadium. So I don't know Seattle's plan. It'd be a big loss for them, quite frankly. Um, I think that he is, he's my number one target, uh, by far this off season. That's not, you know, like an Aaron judge type or anything like that. Yeah. I, I look at that free agent class. I like jerks and Profar, but I think San Diego keeps him, especially with everything that's going on with Tatis, uh, Profar can play infield. So I feel like they're going to keep him just for the versatility and, who knows when Fernando Tatis is going to step foot on a you know baseball diamond ever again? So they've got that going on. I feel like they'll overpay just to keep Profar there. Um, Mitch Henniger, I man, I'm so torn on this because no pun intended. I, yeah, I, like <laughs> I I want JD gone. Like I, I'm all set with the JD Martinez thing and. When I first heard Hanneker's name as a potential DH option, I was like, no, he gets hurt too much. And, you know, he just, he misses too much time. But you look at his numbers and like Andrew brought up, it's like, he is a good, he's just a really good pure hitter, like pure power. Like he, he really can help this lineup. Right-handed power is hard to come by. So, Maybe he's worth a shot. Now it depends on the money, but and, and it also depends on what you do with the rest of you know Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, um, you know Nathan Abaldi, all all your you know pending free agents. Not that Devers is a free agent pending, but you know he's a guy you can make a decision on pretty soon. So I, I do want to see what they do with that. But would I absolutely hate Hanager at DH for the Red Sox? No. But if the money was ridiculous, I might hate it because again, it's like don't don't give him the contract he gave James Paxton, where it's like, okay, this guy's been hurt a lot. Let's overpay to keep him away from other teams and hope that he stays healthy because that generally that strategy does not work. So I don't mind Mitch Haniger. I understand that Aaron Judge is a pipe dream. Who knows what's going to happen with him? But um, as far as the re- like, Profar, I think is I think he's going to stay in San Diego. I think your best shot, if you want to get rid of JD and you want to fill that DH spot, it might be Mitch Haniger. I just hope that it's not a stupid three to four year deal where he's making, you know, Hanley Ramirez kind of money. Like, be smart about it. Be smart. 
recognize how much how many games this guy has missed throughout his career, but pay him accordingly to get him here. I'd be fine with that, but we'll see. I I, I don't know if they'll do it. Well, he's 32, so I don't think he would get more than three from anyone. But it's just another name that that's interesting, and we we've got nobody. I mean, if if Xander stays, then you know maybe Nick York in a couple of years becomes an outfielder. But he looks like he's kind of had some regression this year. At least that's what his overall numbers look like. Um, Jason. Yeah, one guy I wanted to ask about is Sedane Rafaela. Like, how many years away? Like, is he on the same track as Marcelo Mayer? Two to three years? He'll be a year, he's a year away. Eight, maybe. A year. Okay. Oh, yeah. He's already up. He's been in double A for a good chunk of this season. Um, maybe even. Didn't he get promoted know. one more time? Didn't he go to Worcester or no? No, he's only in double A still. Oh, I thought he got called up late. No, he, yeah, he's – I mean, he's a pretty damn good player. He's your best defender at short and center field, um, extremely versatile. He chases – he doesn't walk. Uh, that's going to be an issue he's working out on. They definitely don't want to rush him. I mean, they got lucky that there was no Rule 5 draft this past year because some team would have just stuck him as a, you know, a fifth outfielder. And they would have lost him, but yeah, they'll um, he'll be on the forty. He'll, uh, I mean, I wouldn't count on him before June, July, if if that. I would have figured in the in the second half, yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, like I said, if if Xander stays, then you can convert one of those infield guys into an outfield guy, uh, you know. Hopefully they're better offensively than Duran because he was a second baseman up until a couple years ago. But, uh, yeah, and we'll probably spend more time on him later, you know, because it's a long winter and we talk about these sort of things. But um, Red Sox have no shot at Judge, I wouldn't think. Because you have to win the bidding war to get him. Oh, I mean, every single reporter – John Hammond every day is going to say the Red Sox are close. The Red Sox, they probably won't even talk to him. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think they have any chance. That, I mean, I love the idea of him going to San Francisco. I love the idea of the Yankees signing him for $400 million, quite frankly. But, yeah, I, don't, I give it like a 1% chance that the Red Sox do it. I, I feel like if you want Aaron Judge, um, then give up the idea of getting both Bogart's endeavors back on long-term deals because if you want this team to spend on starting pitching at all, then it's judge and one of Bogarts or Devers and starting pitching. That's it. it. Like the Red Sox have a lot of financial flexibility as much as John Henry doesn't want you to believe that they do. But uh, it, at some point it, you can't keep everybody. So, yeah, I, I don't think they're in on Judge. I think ultimately what they do, my hope at least, Bogarts comes back, Devers gets extended, and whatever they have left over, they spend on pitching. That's it. So um, as much as I would love to see, you know, Aaron Judge playing right field with the Red Sox and 
who's going to wear 99 him or Verdugo. Oh, who knows? I like, it, it's nice to think about, but no, it, it, if you want this team to actually be a whole team that can actually go to the world series, Aaron judge doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. You don't think you could do Devers and judge. I don't know. Obviously Bogarts would be gone, but yeah, so you could, but then are you comfortable giving up Sander Bogarts with the idea that in two to three years, Marcelo Mayer is going to replace his production? Cause I I'm always on the idea of not every prospect works out. So Marcelo Mayer looks really good right now. And everyone says he might be the next Nomar or, whatever you want to comp him to. What if he stinks? Or what if he gets hurt? What if he has a bad injury, you know, next year and he never gets right again? And all of a sudden your shortstop position is, you know, a black hole for the next five years. So yeah, you got Aaron Judge. That's great. You got Rafael Devers. That's great. But your starting rotation is pieced together. Your your shortstop position who – you thought you'd have the next guy coming up and he blows out his knee or he's not that good. Like I, I just, I worry about that. Sander Bogarts is a proven product. Raphael Devers is a proven product. So I always go with that over, Hey, we drafted this guy really high. He's going to be great. Right. <laughs> I don't know. People said the same thing about Mark Appel. People said the same thing about a bunch of prospects that were drafted high you know, in major league baseball. So I always tend to lean towards a proven product. I just like judges better year round and, and a much bigger October guy than Bogarts. I, I guess my only concern with, with Devers and judge would be, you got to assume one of them's going to be a DH eventually. So that's, I guess, my only my only pause. But if if I'm spending money on an offensive player in the occasion of Xander walking, it's Trey Turner for me. I, I think it works out perfectly. He's a good shortstop, great offensively, provides speed and versatility, kind of like Trevor Story has this year. Proven winner, you know, has won a World Series with the Nationals, has gone pretty far with the Dodgers the last couple of years. And he's also a guy with outfield experience. So if, you know, these kids start coming up, you know, talk to him and say, hey, you know, you played center field in the past. So, you know, we're going to we're gonna move you around. Because that's the thing with Xander. I I don't think he – where does he move? I don't – I that's just the one thing that's always held up to me. I don't – I, I think that's what they're very uncomfortable with. I don't think he moves anywhere. I I, I think his defense has improved this year, range-wise, but six years down the road, how's that look? I, I don't know. It, Xander, to me, is first base, DH, or nothing else because I don't think the arm's going to get better. So and, and at times, we've seen it at shortstop. The arm kind of falls short at times, so – and I'm a, I'm a big Xander guy. I want him back. Like I do. I want him back here like long-term, but yeah, it's a fair point. If you move him, if you're talking about moving him, his positions, don't put him at third. That's not going to work. He's 
too big for second base. So to me, it's like first base or DH. That's it. That's going to be so fascinating to see how that saga ends, but I'm just ready to move on. I want to, I want to refresh the chemistry a little bit. I think having a guy like Casas up kind of could infuse some, some new energy and uh, I'm even kind of excited about Connor Wong, who's going to get a lot of looks apparently as the season comes to an end. And that tells me bye-bye Christian Vasquez. <laughs> I really, I don't think they anticipate bringing him back. Like if you want to save money, that's a good, that's an easy spot to do that in, I would say. I, yeah. I yeah, I think Vasquez would have to like desperately want to come back here. Otherwise, no, he's gone. Uh, Houston's doing him no favors. He has. Here, let me pull it up. Um, he's not. He's barely playing. He has fifty-seven at bats since leaving the Red Sox. I honestly don't understand the trade by Houston. I, I just don't get it. They. I think there's a disconnect with Dusty in the front office. Dusty loves Baldonado, sucks. I mean, he handles the staff pretty well, but you had one of the best, you know, hitting catchers or all-around catchers come to your team, and he's just rotting on the bench. Well, I know Maldonado is a heavy favorite amongst the pitching staff that's been talked about, but – Dusty Baker, I think he did an interview with The Athletic, if I'm not mistaken. And this was probably a couple months ago. And they were talking about how the front office with analytics have a lot of control over what goes on. And Dusty kind of tipped his hand that the Houston front office does control a lot of it. And he referenced an interview that he heard with Dave Roberts out in L.A., on why Roberts didn't do a certain something with a player. And Roberts says, well, you know, I would have been open to that, but I'm just one vote. So that tells you there's a lot of other people that have an influence. And and Dusty kind of alluded to Houston being similar. But on this, I don't know, but like the front office traded, you know, two guys for him. And we're having pretty good offensive years. I, I just can't see why they would. Marty Maldonado is hitting 176. Well, mate, you, <laughs> I, I get it, Andrew. That's a fair question. I, I, I just feel bad for Vasquez. I guess what I'm getting at. So who I, knows? Maybe he will want to come back. I'd be hung up on it too, but maybe there's just some unexpected intense blowback from the rotation saying, no, no, I'm pitching to Martin. And I, that could be it. I'm just throwing that out there. But yeah. Yeah, I, I think that stuff you mentioned with Dusty Baker, like Joe Madden just recently with The Athletic came out with a similar thing. And, you know, he's out of a job right now, but he's basically saying, look, I, you know, I like the information. I like the analytics, but I have a major problem with the way it's implemented. And to me, that says that Joe Madden, much like maybe Dusty Baker, is sitting there going, okay, like, yeah, I like the information, but my, GM and owner tell me you have to start this guy, even though I don't want to start him because the analytics say that he should work. Um, I look at Christian Vasquez and I wouldn't be surprised if like, you know, Yadier Molina says, Hey, I'm done. 
and St. Louis just pays more than the Red Sox are willing to to bring him in. They they, they don't have a star catcher coming up. So that's a great, you know, uh, you know that's a great scenario. It's very it'd realistic. The, yeah, it'd be the perfect landing spot for him. It's a good offense already. And it's his nickname, Mini Yachty. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I just this whole idea that he's going to come back. Like, Red Sox fans, did you not learn anything from the John Lester scenario? And I get it; it's a little bit different. John Lester was a really good starting pitcher. Christian Vasquez is an maybe above average MLB catcher, if we're if we're being honest. But he's not coming back. Like, he he's going to get bowled over by an offer in the off season from, like I said, the Cardinals or someone else, and he's going to go there. He's not coming back. Well, remember a couple winters ago when Bradley was a free agent and nobody was signing him, and you know the beat writers would ask Bloom, so you know, have there been any talks or whatever? And Bloom kept saying, well, we've been in contact with him and we'll be in contact with him until the situation resolves itself. I think that's what's going to happen. You know, they'll say, well, you know, we're we've talked to Christians people, but I don't think there's any interest because you can't bring everybody back and it's not going to be easy to do what you need to do with this team and stay under, you know, to fill your current needs. So anyway, we've kind of gone longer than expected. So let's get into the um, Orioles series here. So let's see. Uh, you got some weird start times. So Friday, normal start time for that one. You've got Brian Bayo versus Austin Voth, who I think we tuned up pretty good last time we saw him. So Bayo's coming off of uh, probably, I don't know if that was his best outing or if the Toronto one was. No, that was his best outing. Six innings, uh, three hits, no earned runs, struck out five. So looking to see if he can kind of continue uh, that upward trajectory here. Um, I, I kind of like the Red Sox in this matchup. I like him. I think Bayo wins this one. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's any question. I think last start was, you know, the reason to get most excited about Bayo. Maybe, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if this was his last start. He's thrown more innings, you know, than – he has ever before. So I don't think he's going to leave anything on the table. I really hope he comes out and strikes out. eight. Yeah. I, I like the Red Sox in this one too. And Bayo is going to be an interesting guy to keep an eye on because um, the question is going to be, is he in your starting rotation next year? Like it, does he already make it or do you have to go to spring and see what he does? Um, you know, Obviously, this might be, like Andrew said, this might be his last start because they're gonna, you know, they're gonna keep an eye on him. He's pitched a lot of innings, and I don't hate that. I don't hate the idea of just, hey, this might be your last go of it as a starter. So go nuts, go after these guys, and you know, prove to us what you got. Because again, like, don't stretch this guy out and don't overtax him for no reason. The Red Sox are done. So there, there's no reason to overtax him. So I'm very curious uh, to see how he does in this start. Um, I like the Red Sox in this game. And honestly, I hope Brian Bayo is in your starting rotation next year. I don't care where he slots, whether he's number four or number five, but I want this kid making starts 
for the Boston Red Sox in 2023. So again, as far as this, you know, this weekend's concerned, hopefully he pitches well. And um, I, I want to see him next year for sure. I think he has to be um, in the rotation. Really? You're losing up to three pitchers. So, um, quick question, Andrew, has he had Tommy John at any point or no? I don't believe so. Okay. That kind of makes me nervous. You know, usually it just seems to be pretty common that they've had it, uh, before their debut, but all right. Game two, this is Saturday, five Oh five PM Eastern. And again, this is in Baltimore. Uh, so we got Michael Waka versus TBD. Um, Waka was very good uh, against Tampa, but no run support at all. So um, I guess at face value, I'll take the socks because Waka's been rolling. So, Jason? Yeah, um, ESPN has it against Jordan Lyles, um, who's been one of Baltimore's best pitchers this year in terms of just winning games and all that. But I, I still like the Red Sox in this one. If walk is pitching, um, this is another guy again, like I, I have to bring 2023 into it because at this point, that's what this team has to do. You have to look forward to next year. Do you want Michael Walker back? And you know, he's probably going to command a pretty decent salary given what he did this year. Um, you know, the age kind of works against him, but his his work this year has been undeniable. So this is another guy that I want as a member of the Boston Red Sox in 2023. And, yeah, you might have to overpay a little bit for a 32-year-old starter. But, again, what do you have coming up? You know, it's it's Brian Bayo, and that's about it. You know, Cutter Crawford, Josh Minkowski, they're decent, but – I wouldn't call them slam dunks. So Michael Walker is a guy that I want as part of this team next year. And he's, you know, he's going to make another start this weekend against Baltimore team. That is turning the corner. Um, Pretty good offense. They've got a lot of intriguing young players who are playing really well right now, but I still like the way Walker is going. He looks like he hasn't missed a step since coming back from the IL. So I'll take the Red Sox in this one. Yeah, I never thought I was going to come into this and say Red Sox two is three, but it's working that way. Um, I, I really think Waka, you know, he's pitching for a contract, like Jason said, and he's forcing the Red Sox hand into a QO at this point, the way he's going. So I, I think Waka shows up. I, I think the offense shows up enough, quite frankly. I mean, if Xander should be back, hopefully back's feeling a little bit better. Um who knows with JD? I have no idea what's going on. Uh, I, I think they'll be able to take the first two games of this series uh, pretty easily. Walker well, actually turned thirty-one on July first, so ne- next year's essential is essentially age thirty-two. I think that a three-year deal sounds about adequate for for him and his market. I think if you can get two years, that's a steal at, at reasonable money, but. Um, yeah, I'll take I'll take Waka. Game three, not so sexy. Um, One oh five p.m. Eastern start. Rich Hill versus Kyle Bradish. 
Um, Bradish, not that good. Although I, I want to say he did pitch okay against us and I just can't pick Rich Hill to win a game. I know he had that nice outing a couple starts ago, but I think that was the last of it <laughs> for him and probably his career, but I'm going to take the Orioles in that one. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll take the Orioles in this one. Um, I can't, I can't pick the Red Sox to sweep anybody at this stage. Like, Sorry, sorry, homers. Like, you know, <laughs> at, at what point have they proven to you that they can sweep anybody? Um, yeah, and the Rich Hill start against Tampa when he struck out 11, that was great. How did he look the time after that? Not so good. So, and then the time after I, that, not good again. Yeah, he, you know, he's he's trick or treat. And I think for this <laughs> one, it's going to be nothing but treats for, for the Baltimore Orioles. So, um, I'll take Baltimore in game three. That's the quote of the night, Jason. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to echo that sentiment. I I will say, I will, you know, I, I enjoyed watching Rich Hill at moments this year. I mean, the, his pace of games has been phenomenal to watch. Uh, seems like he gives a damn still at age, what, 40, 42. You know, he's into it. He's hustling. He's covering the bags. I mean, we see younger guys that don't do that. Unfortunately, I don't think it's all there anymore. I hope he can continue. He says he wants to. I don't know what that's that looks like. But, you know, I'm looking at his number. This is actually his first season with an ERA over four since 2014. Or 2013, actually. So good for him. I mean, this is a guy that had so many arm injuries. Local kid. Glad he made one more stop in a Red Sox uniform. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not, you know, counting on him to win the third game of the series. I haven't mentioned this before, and I only figured it out recently, but Rich Hill has essentially been a curse for the Boston Red Sox. He was here 2010 through 2012. There was a Tommy John in there, though. Uh, but we didn't make the playoffs any of those three years. He came back for a cup of coffee in uh, 2015, and that's when he came back from the independent leagues, revived his career in the last couple of months, got a nice contract from, I think it was Oakland uh, initially. and But 2015, that was a last-place season. Then he comes back this year, and... Um, didn't do well. Yeah, 2010 was we won like 89 games but missed the playoffs. And then 2011 was beer and chicken. And then 2012 was Bobby Valentine. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Not that we were a bad team for two of those years because we won 89 and I think 90 wins respectively. But, but can't make the playoffs with Hill on the roster. We will wrap on that. We'll be back on Sunday night to talk about what did happen in this uh, Baltimore Orioles series. Fun team to watch. I guess we all have them two to one. I wouldn't be surprised if it does end up the other way. They do have a tough bullpen, so you got to get a lead early because you're not getting it late. And uh, so anyway, uh, have a good rest of your weekend. Take care. <laughs>